Grow PDX is a show focusing on horticulture, community food systems, and agriculture. Today on Grow PDX, we're talking about Headwaters Incubator Farm and the overall landscape for the new farmers in Northwest. Our guest today is Rowan Steele of East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District. If you have a question you want our experts to answer, call 503-233-9729. We'd love to hear from you. Those numbers again... 503-233-9729, or you can text at 971-220-5979. And now we turn to the host of Grow PDX from Oregon State University, Weston Miller. Good afternoon. Welcome to Grow PDX. I'm your host, Weston Miller of OSU. To start today's show, I want you to picture an incubator for chicken eggs where the eggs are gently placed into a warm and cozy space and then they emerge as chicks in a handful of weeks. Now apply this image of an incubator to new farmers who are provided basic infrastructure and a bit of guidance to hatch their own farm business. Getting started in the field of farming is very difficult, and farm incubators help to reduce the barriers that new farmers face in launching a farm business. Right here in Multnomah County, the Headwaters Incubator Farm provides just this opportunity for a lucky few folks who are working hard to start their new farm businesses. To help us to learn more about Headwaters Incubator Farm, we'd like to welcome Rowan Steele to the show today. Welcome, Rowan. Hi, Weston. Great to see you. And well, Rowan's with the East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District. And if you have questions or comments that you'd like us to answer, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a text at 971-220-5979. Rowan, tell us about the Headwaters Incubator Program. Sure. So um, as you just mentioned, Headwaters Farm is all about farmer development. And we do that by making farmland and farm equipment and infrastructure Uh, available to individuals who have farming experience but don't necessarily have the resources to get a farm business off the ground. Um, All of this happens at Headwaters Farm which is just outside of Gresham in Oregon and we let our farmers stay on site for up to four years. We're actually starting to think about maybe adding a fifth year to the program because it seems like that might be a better representation of how much time an average farm business needs to get going. Um, And after their time is up with us, the idea is that they transition off onto their own farmland and continue to build their farm business. So Um, with that analogy of the incubator, then it really is um, you're lowering the barriers, providing access to land and equipment and greenhouses and coolers and things that cost a lot of money to get established. But farmers are coming in with their own experience and their own innovative idea to market their produce and they're able to get going in that way. That's absolutely right. And their own resources that they use for their own business, whether that's purchasing their own seed or their farm truck or their farmer's market display. Okay, that's cool. Now, Rowan, you work for East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District. What's the overall mission of that organization and how does it work? Yeah, so we help people care for land and water and we provide these services free to folks who live or work within Multnomah County east of the Willamette River. We're a form of local government known as a special purpose district, just like a fire district or a um, 
uh, irrigation district. Uh, we have an elected board. We are non-regulatory, which gives us a huge advantage because we're here to help folks solve problems related to natural resource management. And typically with soil and water conservation districts, you have resource conservationists who go out to people's properties, help advise them in creating a conservation plan that's going to include um, manure control and um, replanting of areas along creek sides and things like that. How can folks get in touch with East Multnomah SWCD to learn about the breadth of services? Yeah, the easiest way is just to visit our website, emswcd.org. Um, and there's a whole slew of options there. We actually have four programmatic units. We have our finance and ops people who just kind of keep the ship rolling. We have our urban lands work, does a lot of outreach and education in the urban areas, um, along with other things. We have rural lands, which is a lot of what you mentioned, the conservation technicians and the technical advice and cost share programs. And then we have conservation legacy, which includes the Headwaters Incubator Program. But we also run essentially a land trust where we're looking to protect natural lands and agricultural lands within the district, and then our grant program. Very cool. Lots of great services that are provided by your agency. Now, Rowan, you manage the day-to-day farm activities out at Headwaters. That must be super fun. What goes on there at the Headwaters location on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, um, you know, anything relating to uh, farm development or um, conservation. So today I was out there this morning and we were building a greenhouse. We had some access roads going in and some stormwater projects. The farmers were doing all their normal seasonal activities, uh, a lot of harvest going on, cover crops are being planted. Um, So yeah, so we like to think of ourselves as growing farms and future stewards. So anything related to that is happening at the farm any given day. And how many farmers are currently enrolled in your program? Yep, so we've got 14 farms this year. We work off a cohort model. So the first year that we started the program in 2013, we had five farms. 2014, we had eight. Last year, we had 13. This year, we have 14 farms. Next year, we'll probably be at about our max capacity, somewhere in the 16 to 18 farm range. Okay, so you're ex- you're actively accepting applications for your next cohort of folks. Tell us about the registration process. Yep, so we are, we are accepting applications for the whole month of October, and that would be for the upcoming 2017 growing season. Um, the way that it works is people submit a basic business plan to us and fill out an application form and give us a resume. And we provide a template for the business plan because, you know, beginning farmers don't necessarily have a lot of experience in writing business plans. So um, the idea is that we really want to know how folks plan to grow on our farm and what their experiences are and um, whether we think that that's going to be a viable business model. So what are you looking for in terms of applicants? You're looking for folks with some experience in the field and also with marketing. Tell us more. Sure. So the ideal candidate would have three years of farm experience with one of those years in some sort of a management position, whether that's managing people like a crew or whether that's managing systems like irrigation or greenhouse or Mm -hmm. cultivation. Um, But definitely we want to see that there is some experience there because there's nothing to really replicate um, the need for uh, business understanding like having worked on other farms. Okay. Rowan, you've got a pretty sweet gig, it sounds like, at East Multnomah SWCD. How did you get involved with farmer education? What's the backstory here? Sure. So um, I grew up in the Central Valley of California, which, uh, as you know, is an ag mecca, but I was completely removed from that. And it really wasn't until I got into my undergraduate studies in geography that I realized that there 
are other ways to produce food than kind of this conventional industrial model. So um, I had the fortunate opportunity to go through a farm incubator program myself, very different than the Headwaters incubator program. Um, it was very hands-off where it was uh, a farm called the Arcata Educational Farm that every couple of years would turn over the farmers who managed it. So myself and two other people co-managed a 60-member CSA for a couple of years, and it was at that point that I really realized that you know, there's something really rewarding and enriching from growing food and having your hands in the dirt. Um, but there's other elements that I wanted. I wanted to do outreach and, and community development. So um, I came up to Portland and went through the uh, urban and regional planning program at Portland State University. Mm -hmm. And I did a quasi-thesis there called a field area paper on a proposed farm incubator program for the Portland area. Okay. And the timing worked out great because it was as um, the, the district was coming up with their plan for uh, for this program. And you had a plan to provide them. That's, yeah, that's so did, cool. Yeah. You're with Grow PDX on X-Ray FM. Today we're talking with Rowan Steele of East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District about the Headwaters Incubator Farm and in general about the scene for new farmers here in the Northwest. Rowan, let's take a big picture look at farmer education in Oregon and beyond. What's the big deal about training new farmers? Why is this issue so urgent? Well, there's a couple of reasons. I think from a conservation perspective, farmers have a huge impact on natural resources. And that can be a profoundly positive impact um, when we think about soil health and water quality, uh, or it can be a profoundly negative impact if we're looking at erosion and over-fertilization and some of the problems that lead to, to issues on a number of scales. Um, but more broadly, uh, when we talk about aging farmer demographics, uh, the, the average age of, of farmers in Oregon is now 60. And if we look at the latest census of agricultural data from 2007 to 2012, we see an 8% decrease in the overall number of farmers. Um, but we also see a 22% decrease in farmers under the age of 44. And we see a 25% decrease for what's considered new farmers, people who have been farming for 10 years or less. Uh, and when we think about those trends, um, you know, 10 years, 20 years down the line, who's going to be growing our food and what's going to happen to that farmland? I think these are big issues. Definitely big, big issues. And what's happening nationally to address the situation? Well, a lot more than there was just a few years ago. Uh, certainly the USDA, their Farm Services Agency, and their Natural Resource Conservation Services have begun to realize the importance of shifting this trend and getting more beginning farmers established. So there's a lot more money, there's a lot more resources available to people who have been farming for short amounts of time or people interested in getting into farming. Um, there's also a network of incubator farms similar to what we offer but of varying scopes and scales across the country. Um, and the organization that's spearheading that is called the National Incubator Farm Training Initiative, or NIFTI for short. NIFTI is the acronym. And um, they're shifting to a regional emphasis where um, different incubator farms can connect with other incubator farms in their area to try and help uh, identify shared problems or shared opportunities. Okay, so the good news is that the federal government's paying attention. They're starting to provide more incentives for younger farmers to get into it. I know like the Farm Services Agency, they now have a small loan program, which seems pretty accessible. And then there's also organizations working individually to have farmer incubators. And NIFTI is the overall umbrella for mm -hmm. that movement. 
And here in Oregon, what else is going on besides the Headwaters Farm? Sure. Well, there's lots going on in Oregon. I would say Oregon is probably one of the leaders when it comes to um, beginning farmer support. We have a lot of organizations working independently, but we're now starting to galvanize these individual efforts and put it into a more central directed farmer development pipeline. So we've got the Rogue Farm Corps, and they offer on-the-farm learning experiences with uh, actual education piece uh, connected to it. So it's essentially a legal apprenticeship. Legal internship, apprenticeship, yep. Um, OSU has a lot of programs. Your beginning urban farmer apprenticeship program is great. Uh, Small Farms has the Growing Farms Program and Agripreneurs. The Center for Small Farms and Community Food Systems is doing some work to identify gaps and opportunities. Friends of Family Farmers has their Oregon Farm Link, which is a matching site for people who have land, who want people to farm it, and people who are looking for land. Um, And then Adelantes Mujeres is doing work, um, especially directed towards the Latino community. Zenger has... Um, some resources available. And then we have other entities, really small entities like the Woodlawn Farmers Market, which is partnered with the Headwaters Incubator Program to roll out the Introducing Farms uh, program this year, where it's like an incubator program at a farmer's market. So farms without farmer's market experience can go there and sell, and the booth is provided, and their stall fees are reduced, um, and they get paid to do a little workshop to explain why they're at the market and how they grow. Cool. So the the positive news is that there's a lot of different groups working towards providing new farmer training and education and opportunities. Now, new farmers need both production and marketing skills. How do you recommend folks get the experience? Well, there's nothing like working on a farm or multiple farms to really give you that experience. Um, But there's other things people can do. You can certainly talk with established growers in your area. Uh, From a marketing standpoint, you can start to make networks into the markets which you intend to sell. For example, get to know chefs, get to know farmers market managers, produce buyers, and other consumers, especially if you plan to do direct sales like CSA. Now, you mentioned earlier that there's a fair amount at stake in terms of keeping agricultural land in production. What happens if there aren't farmers there to take the place of the folks who are retiring? Yeah, I think that's a huge question. Um, You know, there's economic implications, there's public health implications, there's social and cultural implications. Um, And I think when we look at natural resource management, it intersects with all those different areas. So I think the bottom line is, if we want a robust, vibrant economy and urban and rural communities, uh, ecosystem services, healthy environments, we really need productive, intact agricultural lands that are being actively managed. That's well said. And uh, farm production and conservation go hand in hand. Tell us more about how to do both on the same piece of land and how can conservation districts help? Well, um, I guess the important thing to know is that the two are not mutually exclusive. Uh, Good stewardship increases profitability and it promotes better yields but also reduces some of the input costs. And it's a very long-term vision of how you're going to manage the land and making investments in your soil and water health are certainly going to have payouts over time. So I think that that's um, how they go, how they work together in terms of what that means for a farmer using the land. uh, It's really about conducting practices that protect or better yet enhance the natural resources that are on site. And conservation districts can do a lot Different conservation districts offer different services, but certainly the technical piece, giving folks feedback on what's a good approach to do different things. Uh, A lot of conservation districts have 
cost shares. There's money for water quality. There's there's a lot of money out there. Um, so the yeah. bottom line is, if you do have a, a piece of land, uh, more than a couple acres outside of the urban area, get in touch with your local conservation district, and they can help you come up with a conservation plan and might also be able to help with funding it. This is Grow PDX on X-Ray FM. Today we're talking about the Headwaters Incubator Farm, about the opportunities and challenges of farming in general with Rowan Steele of East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District. If you have questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a shout at 503-233-9729. I'm Weston Miller. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Grow PDX. I'm your host, Weston Miller. Here is a public service announcement. Are you a new farmer wondering how to get on some land? Are you a landowner who would like to have your property used to help feed your community? Well, there's an upcoming workshop and discussion on purchasing and leasing agricultural land with a focus on the Portland metro region and the surrounding area. Please join us. There will be plenty of opportunity for discussion and questions and a potluck social afterwards. When? Wednesday, November 2nd from 3 to 6 p.m. Where? At Zenger Farm, Urban Grange. Who? We're looking for current and future farmers seeking land and landowners seeking farmers. What's going to happen? A panel presentation with questions and answers on finding land to lease or purchase, negotiating agricultural leases and sales, and much more. And why? Because farmers play a critical role in our community and accessing land is a huge challenge for many growers. Again, this is Wednesday, November 2nd from 3 to 6 p.m., a workshop on farmer leases. And now we're going to return to our conversation with Rowan Steele of East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District. Rowan, let's talk about the opportunities and barriers for new farmers to successfully establish a farming enterprise. Let's start with the good news. What are some of the unfilled niches that you see out there in the metro area? Well, Portland's kind of a unique case because uh, the pie is certainly growing. We have more residents coming in each year. There's a higher demand for local food products. Um, So there's certainly some markets that haven't been tapped, even though we have a pretty vibrant uh, local farm community. Uh, Food carts, I think, are one. Wholesale might be another big one, especially as more mainstream uh, outlets and grocery stores begin to have uh, greater sales in in local food items. Um, And certainly there's always going to be opportunities for niche direct-to-consumer avenues, whether that's special CSA models or farm stands or other other opportunities where people are reaching um, consumers directly. All right. So now we've already mentioned that there's also a lot of um, organizations and agencies out there ready to support new farmers. There are definitely still some available niches that you can see. Is there any other good news for new farmers in terms of starting an operation? Yeah, well, I really think it is that emerging local farmer development pipeline. We have connected all these different organizations locally that are helping to bridge the gap of um, people who are starting to think about farming to very established farms where we've got services geared towards individuals who want to begin a farm like Rogue Farm Corps or Bufa but really have no experience and a lot of those farms or a lot of those farmers might then continue on and they would have the opportunity to work on a farm or possibly go through Zanger's apprenticeship 
And at that point, a lot of those folks would drop out, but some will go on from that as well. And then the incubator program would be there to help leverage them to get them to the point of actually having a mature business. So you're indicating that like a step-by-step pipeline for folks to get just basic skills to going out to work on farms and then ultimately having some support to start their own farm business. And that's much more than is available in most communities around the country. Yeah, it's really unique that we've brought these together and connected the dots in a lot of ways. And we're still doing it. We're still working out and trying to make sure that all the niches are covered. But the idea is that anybody with any level of experience could come and start at the appropriate location, move through this network of organizations and get spit out the back as a as an established farm. As an established farm. And then those would be the host sites for the Rogue Farm Corps interns and the, the tours and the employees of the future. And, and this is all going to be panning out over the next number of years. And we hope that there's folks who will jump in and, and learn how to farm. Rowan, in my job with OSU, I meet many, many new and aspiring farmers. And there seems to be a lot of interest, despite the statistics that are saying that there are fewer young farmers and fewer new farmers getting into the field. What are some of the barriers that new farmers face? There's really three big barriers. The first one is access to capital. And that's the same as saying access to farmland, access to ag infrastructure, access to ag equipment. They all cost a lot of money and a lot of people coming into beginning farming just don't have that type of money to throw around. So that's the biggie. Number two is access to farm training. And actually in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of opportunities because there's a lot of small farms that hire a few people every year, plus those entry level farmer development programs like Rogue, like Bufa. Uh, The third one is access to farm networks. And this is the one that people often overlook uh, because a lot of the new farmers are coming in without a farming background and they don't know where to source seed or what to do if a piece of equipment breaks. So reconnecting all these different individuals so they can network amongst themselves or they can buy bulk or do whatever they need to do to not reinvent the wheel is a huge asset. And can you talk about some of the networks that are here in Oregon? Sure. Well, um, at there's the Portland area CSA Coalition, which is a listserv, which is a huge resource um, for folks practicing CSA, but also just small farms in general. OSU has some some networks that they've established. Uh, Headwaters Farm, that's one of the best benefits that we have. We have 14 new farms on site, and they pretty much move in with that network intact. And there's also a, a hoedown coming up down in the, the Central Valley, in the Eugene area, more of a party and a celebration mm-hmm. for new farmers to unite as well. Folks can learn about that on the Friends of Family Farmers website. Now, Rowan, you mentioned the three barriers, access to capital, training, and networks. We've talked a fair amount about how these barriers can be overcome. Is there anything else you'd like to add about that? Well, sure. Um, I mean, that's a really loaded question, and I think we're still sorting out what all the answers are. Certainly working on a local farm is big. Entering that local farmer development pipeline is key, and also connecting with your local resources like OSU Extension, uh, your NRCS district conservationist, your soil and water conservation district. Um, but also, you know, this is something we can all do, whether we're beginning farmers or not, but support local sustainable farms and help continue to grow that pie so there's more room for more 
operators. And that's really where the consumer comes in to play, and that's probably most of the folks listening to this show out there in radio land. So what are the ways that consumers can support their local food system? Yeah, buy locally, shop at farmer's markets, get to know your farms, tell them what you want, um, support food buyer clubs. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah, and there's a lot going on in Portland. Now, you mentioned um, access to capital, but specifically finding land is a challenge. How do you recommend folks find land so that they can get growing, so to speak? Finding land really is the biggest challenge locally, if not nationally, for beginning farmers. And really, I can only speak to how the incubator program is looking to help connect our farmers with land. So we certainly use the Oregon Farm Link, which is kind of that matching website that I mentioned before that's Friends of Family Farmers. Friends of Family Farmers. Yep. It's sort of like online dating, but connecting exactly. um, farmers with landowners and landowners with farmers. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And we also have a partnership with Multnomah County where people who have land that isn't being farmed that might actually lose its tax deferral status have self-selected and identified their land as something that might be available to a beginning farmer. So we get to see that list of people who have identified a as wanting to lease their land out and see if we can create a match with our graduates. Oh, cool. Are there a fair number of people who are looking for folks to come onto their land and have farm operations? I think last that we saw the list was about 60 people or so. Okay, so Um, that's a fair number of niches and surely not all of them are gonna be appropriate land with water and access to, to infrastructure and all that, but nonetheless, it's a starting place. That's great that you're working with Multnomah County on that. And then uh, the third piece that we're working on is through our land legacy program that the district runs, that the East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District runs. And that is essentially a land trust where we look to buy easements or purchase properties and put easements on them that will keep them in farmland for perpetuity. And when we do that, when we take away the development rights of a property, we're reducing its purchase value. And in doing that, we make it easier for a farmer to purchase or multiple farmers to purchase that piece of land. Um, But it might also be an opportunity to give long-term leases or sell to beginning farmers. And the idea really is that folks who own larger pieces of land who are looking to keep it in farming can do that, but it really takes a lot of thought and uh, a commitment to having an easement or otherwise making it accessible to mm-hmm. farmers mm-hmm. and off of the open market for development. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Rowan, what inspires you the most about your work in the Headwaters Farmer Incubator and at East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District? Hmm. Great question. Um, well, certainly the farmers inspire me. I get to work with 20 different farmers who are all doing great things and all have inspiration to do good work in the world and produce food and uh, create healthy farmland and, and natural areas. So, so that's always inspiring. But I think for me, it's kind of the big picture. It's bridging the gap between agriculture and conservation. I think too often those two camps are separate and they're, they're viewed as independent entities. And I think that the more we can bring those together, the more opportunities there are going to be to have really healthy farmland, Um, that's maximizing yields, but protecting natural resources and all the benefits that would come from that. Very well said. That's Rowan Steele of Headwaters Farm at East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District. Thanks so much for joining us here on GrowPDX this week. The program is produced by Liam Flanagan and me, Weston Miller. Next week, we'll be talking about the Portland Farmer's Market. 
Thanks for joining us, and tell a friend about this show. You can listen to a recording of the show online at the X-Ray website, or you can find our Facebook site, Grow PDX. Thanks so much for listening.